this is a podcast. The Hour on Wells podcast. I, William Bayer, am the owner of this dulcet voice that you are now listening to. And more importantly, the host and the creator of this podcast. Alright, if I haven't made you uncomfortable enough, you're still tuning in. Welcome. Thank you for listening. This is our first episode, so still sort of moving the kinks around, figuring out what we're doing here, figuring out why we're here on this big wet rock floating through the middle of the universe. Well, not exactly the middle, not even the middle of the Milky Way. And this is exactly why I have a script, because as you can see, my mind is full of ADHD and just goes here and there and everywhere. Anyway, before I go completely galaxy brain, let's talk about a topic of interest to just about the entire, not only the Christian world, but the secular world as well. Even though Americans, for whatever reason, aren't really all that interested in geopolitics. Let's talk about Israel. Now, if you aren't aware as of the time of this recording, I don't know exactly when this is going to go up. But as of the time of this recording, uh, Palestinian militants in Gaza have launched hundreds of rockets into Israel, injuring at least 17 people. Now, as an act of retaliation, uh, Israeli military forces responded with air raids of their own which killed 35 people 12 of whom were children and injuring another 220 people this is all according to palestinian health officials who spoke with cnn concerning the matter also of note uh, israeli military forces have indicated that they have killed at least 15 of the militants that were involved in those airstrikes now this is hopefully lord willing god willing this is the climax of weeks of tensions that have been bubbling over between israel and palestine going back to at least in this most recent conflict going back to the holy month of ramadan And this is just the longest in a long line of conflict between the two parties going at least a century back. And the argument can be made, and I think rightfully so, going back millennia. So the question is now that we're up to speed, what exactly is the purpose of this commentary today? Well, it all revolves around the idea of praying for Israel as many of you are probably aware if you have any sort of social media you've probably seen you know the obligatory pray for Israel post pray for Israel tweets you know pray for the peace of Jerusalem all of those things and I'm just going to be honest uh usually when I see stuff like that I just sort of kind of let it go in one ear and out the other i don't pay a heck of a whole lot of attention to it and it all comes down to one word folks and that word is motive 
I don't know about anybody else, but I'm the type of person that believes that even if you're doing a good deed, if the motive behind that good deed is not pure, then it undermines the entire deed itself. It may not diminish, it may not diminish the entire impact of the deed, but it does kind of take away from it when you find out that the motive wasn't exactly kosher. And that seems to be the issue with a lot of folks that I see insisting that we arbitrarily pray for Israel. Now, here's the thing. I personally have relationships with people who I believe are genuinely concerned with the well-being, not only of the Israeli state, but of the Israeli people, which I think is much more important. I personally have people in my circle who have family, who have friends who live in Israel. And right now they are rightfully concerned with the well-being of their friends, their family, their moms and dads, their sisters and brothers, their sons and daughters, their aunties, uncles, cousins, all of those sorts of things, their colleagues. And I don't blame them. If someone were launching rockets somewhere where I had family, I would be concerned as well. I would be bombarding heaven with as many prayers as I could as well. That's not my issue today. My issue, I'll just sum it up in an article that I saw. I didn't even read it. I just saw the headline. Um, I saw someone uh, yesterday. They shared an article. And I'm assuming that this article was from some uh, Christian group or at least nominally a Christian group. And the headline said in bold letters, it said it begins colon Palestinian militants launch rockets into Israel, blah, 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 blah. And the hashtag on that article said WW3. Next hashtag said Hashtag World War Three watch. And that is my problem, ladies and gentlemen. It's people who write articles like that. They don't care about Israel. They don't care about the Israeli people. People like that, they epitomize something that I talk about in my book, Capitalist Theology. Yes, as a shameless plug is available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback format. You can purchase it today if you haven't already. People like that epitomize Christian, I'm sorry, American Christianity. All right. And American Christianity finds its roots in an ideology called American exceptionalism. And that is the idea that America is somehow exceptional and therefore superior to the rest of the world. This is where we get concepts like manifest destiny. This is what caused Rudyard Kipling. If you don't know who that is, he's the writer who wrote the Jungle Book. And he also wrote a little poem called White Man's Burden. The White Man's Burden poem was written to President Woodrow Wilson, I believe, at the time, encouraging President Wilson. It was either Wilson or Roosevelt. I'm not 100 percent sure. But one of those expansionist presidents uh, encouraging them, imploring them. Or, you know what? It might have even been William McKinley. I'm not 100 percent sure. It was one of those turn of the century presidents. You can go up and look f for yourself. But. The point is, 
he wrote this poem and implored them to annex the Philippines called it the white man's burden to civilize the savages and so this ideology I don't think has really left the American consciousness it's part of the reason why Americans seem to be so disconnected from geopolitics so disconnected from anything that happens in the world that does not affect America or American interests directly And so these people, once again, they're called Christian Zionists. And what Christian Zionists are, are people who believe that it is the church's responsibility, the church's solemn duty to protect Israeli interest, regardless of context, to be an ally to Israel at all costs. This is part of the reason why you have a lot of right wing and even left wing politicians who at the behest of their constituents insist on inserting themselves into Israeli affairs, even if they don't directly have any effect on the U.S. And the reason why people are so interested in Israeli affairs, it has nothing to do with any genuine concern for Israel or Israel's people. But it's because these people believe that advancing Israeli interest will trigger the rapture somehow. There are Christian Zionists who are at this moment even financing Israeli Zionists to build a new temple on the Temple Mount, financing a campaign to retake the Temple Mount. Now, as we're all very much aware right now, the Temple Mount is occupied by the Dome of the Rock, which is, if not the holiest, one of the holiest sites in the Islamic world. And so the idea of the Jews retaking the Temple Mount, will most definitely, more than likely, start a world war. But again, these people, they're not concerned about that. They don't care about that. At the end of the day, it all boils down to their own self-interest. And that, folks, is my problem. Because self-interest is antithetical. Building a theology, building any ideology on the back of self-interest is antithetical to the gospel. Everything that Jesus taught us goes directly against that concept. He said it himself that there's no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for a friend. He said that the Gentiles, that they exercise lordship over one another. But I say to you, let the greatest among you be called a servant but Christian Zionists don't seem to have that ideology at heart. Instead, they see Israel as a means to an end rather than an end within themselves. But I'm going to drop a name for you right now, and that's Immanuel Kant. And what Immanuel Kant 
came up with? Well, one of the big ideas he came up with is that of the categorical imperative. And basically what the categorical imperative says to do is to treat people. If you want to create a just society. To treat people not as means to an end, but to treat them as ends within themselves or as every major religion in the world has said in some way, shape or form. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. If we would all just treat one another the same way that we would want to be treated, then we would have a just society. But people don't think that way. What people are primarily concerned with is their own self-interest, is their own self-preservation. And this is only natural. It's our animal instincts to do so. Adam Smith says it's not due to the benevolence of the baker or the butcher or of the brewer that we receive our dinner, but it's because of his own self-interest. Even the beggar knows that to depend wholly on the altruism of another is a bad idea. So even the beggar who knows that he doesn't really have anything to offer has to come up with something to offer in order to get what he wants. This is according to Adam Smith, and I'm inclined to agree with that notion. But does that make it right? No, I don't believe that that makes it right. This is why we're rational beings. We have the ability to think our way out of our animal instinct, to think our way out of our selfish tendencies. But this is not the idea that Christian Zionism is based on. Now, that's one camp of believers, but then there's another camp. These are the folks. Okay, so this idea of praying for the peace of Jerusalem. So where does that come from? That comes from the 122nd Psalm. Let's let let's let's do something real quick. Let's exegete the text really quickly. Let's let's just do a real quick exegesis. So Psalm 122 is one of several psalms that are called Psalms of Degrees or Songs of Heights. And what they are are a series of songs that the Israelites, the ancient Israelites would sing as they were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to give their sacrifices and whatnot. So obviously these are going to be songs of praise for Israel, correct? Psalm 122 in particular is a psalm that's credited to David. And David says in the sixth verse, he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Lord prosper those who love thee. Or favor those who love thee. Something along those lines. Now we got to ask ourselves a few questions. Who is David? Any of you have spent any time in church. Any time in Sunday school or Bible study. Or watched the after school special. To know that David is not only the king of Israel. But he is considered to be the greatest king. In Jewish and Christian tradition, the greatest king of Israel. This was Israel's golden age. So David being a king, this makes him a political figure. And the idea of political figures using religion to advance their political pursuits 
is a concept that is as old as time itself. As long as there has been religion and as long as there have been politics, there has always been a marriage between the two. So much so that at many different times and amid the different societies, ancient Israel being one, that politics and religion were so intermingled that there was nary a division between the two. So this statement, as far as I'm concerned, and this is my opinion now, you can feel free to disagree if you would like to. But in my opinion, I believe that this is much more political statement than it is any declaration that those who arbitrarily pray for the peace of Jerusalem is going to receive some sort of blessing, is going to receive brownie points from the Lord. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Remember, again, David is a political figure. David is the king of Israel. So when he says something like pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Lord will prosper those who love thee. To me, that's the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew equivalent of something along the lines of God save the queen, you know, or God bless America and God we trust. You know, one nation under God. And these are all, by the way, just a quick little tangent. These are all statements that were not introduced into the American lexicon until midway through the 20th century. At a later episode, we'll probably talk about that as well. But these were all religious statements that had a explicit political motivation. So when you say things like pray for the peace of Jerusalem, in my opinion, you're making much more of a political than a religious statement. Now, with that being said, I find it interesting that a lot of these same people that insist on the idea of praying for a foreign nation, praying for a foreign country, for a foreign people, these are the very same people that are adamant about the idea that matters of social justice at home are somehow anti-Christian, are Marxist, are anti-Christ, are all of these other pejoratives that are attached to social justice movements that are designed to do nothing but to just undermine the movements. And again, the reason why is because such movements undermine the interest of the people that oppose them, of the people that occupy the ruling class of the current social order. You know, I'm researching for my book, Capitalist Theology. That's another shameless plug for you. They're available on Amazon.com in both Kindle and paperback format. What I found out, according to the Barna Group. Now, if you don't know who the Barna Group is, it's kind of like the Pew Research Center, but they focus on matters that are of concern to the Christian world. So they conducted a study in 2019. They conducted a survey in 2019. And what they found in 2019 is that white believers are less likely to be concerned with matters of social justice. They are less motivated 
to pursue social justice, in particular racial justice, than white non-believers. Okay? And interestingly enough, they did the study again in 2020 and found that in 2020, those same people who they interviewed who they surveyed found that they were even less motivated in 2020. This is after Ahmaud Arbery. This is after George Floyd, after Beyond Taylor, after Sean Reed. This is after the Black Lives Matters marches. This is after uh, the reports of COVID-19 having a disproportionate effect on communities of color. This is after all of these things have become national news, have become a part of the zeitgeist people are now very much more aware of it than they were uh, at times past what they found is that when more attention was being brought to matters of social justice matters of racial justice in particular that white evangelical christians were even less motivated to pursue those issues and this is coming from the same crowd that insist that it's our job as Christians to arbitrarily pray for Israel because of one passage, one verse of one passage. Or if you want to dig a little deeper, if you want to jump a little further into the rabbit hole, it's because of, again, that Christian Zionist interest of somehow triggering the apocalypse, which in itself is asinine. Can't force God. You can't force Jesus to come back any sooner or any later than he intends on coming back because then he wouldn't be God. And I think that that ideology in itself just kind of sort of it encapsulates the 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 conceit, the arrogance of American Christianity to think that we can somehow, you know, help God along. We can somehow help Jesus, you know, do what he already said he was going to do, that we can somehow force Jesus, we can sort of somehow bend him to our will, you know. Now, does all of this say that I don't believe that we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem? No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I believe is that we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We should be praying for the peace and for the safety, for the well-being of the Israeli people. But let us not forget the Palestinians, the 220 Palestinians that were injured, the 35 who were killed, the 12 children who were killed. Don't get it mistaken. Now, I don't have time to go into all of the nuances, the nitty gritty of the Israeli-Palestinian dynamic. But I'll, it suffices to say that Israel's hands aren't exactly squeaky clean. Oftentimes, that's the case when it comes to complex matters like this, is that there are much more shades of gray than there are black and white. Now, some shades may be a little darker than others, but it doesn't change the fact that there are, in fact, shades of gray. With that being said, I believe that as Christians, our job is not to arbitrarily pray for one nation over another just because we believe that doing so will fulfill our own self-interest. 
But our duty is to be concerned with the well-being of all humankind. That includes the Israelis whose lives have been impacted by this conflict. That includes the Palestinians whose lives have been impacted by this conflict. That includes the Indians who are suffering from this outbreak of coronavirus. That includes the black and brown and Asian peoples who are subject to violence, who are subject to police brutality, who are subject to all sorts of racial injustice in this country as well. At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, boys and girls, dudes and dudettes, it's not our responsibility to pick and choose who to pray for based on our own self-interest, but it's our responsibility to do that which Christ would do. And I think the Bible makes it very clear that God so loved the world, not Israel, not America, not Palestine, not black, not white, not red, yellow, green, brown, purple or magenta. But that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, yes, by all means, pray for Israel. By all means, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But don't do so because you think that doing so is going to trigger some cataclysmic apocalyptic event because that's wrong. Don't do so because you think that doing so will earn you some sort of brownie points with God. That's also wrong. But do so because you are genuinely concerned for the well-being of the people of that country and the people surrounding it and the people who are connected to those people. Well, that's all we have time for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As I said, we're going to be continuing this a little bit later on. We're going to try to update you with episodes as quickly as possible. I have some on deck, some topics that I would like to talk to you about. One more shameless plug here. You can purchase my book, Capitalist Theology, which is available on Amazon.com in both Kindle and paperback format for $14.50 in paperback and for $6.99 on the Kindle version. If you haven't already, you can purchase it today. Purchase two copies, purchase three, purchase ten. As a matter of fact, just buy the whole lot. I don't care. Do what you want with them. You can burn them for all I care. It still helps me out. But would you do that? Would you be a blessing? Would you be kind to me and I'll be kind to you? Well, in the words of my pastor, my time is up and your time is precious. So God bless and good night, everybody. This has been the Our Own Wells podcast. Peace.